Hello and welcome to With Relish on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I am neither Harry or Aoife, I am Ian, the show's producer, and for today's episode we're going to have a little bit of a look back at some of our best bits since starting out last May. I'd also like to take the chance as well now to thank anyone who's been listening in to us, as well as the amazing guests we've had on uh, and who have given us their time. We have plenty of great stuff planned for 2018 as well, I hope you can join us for it, but until then, I hope you enjoy the highlight reel. When we came back to Ireland, we thought a practical thing to do would be open up a health food shop, which we did on Wicklow Street. Mm-hmm. And that's Cornucopia. OK. And that's how it started. And we then we thought, oh, well, maybe we'll do a little bit of food. And as it turned out, Neil had an incredible talent for cooking. He wasn't a trained chef, but he just was really good. It would taste great. And were you aware of that before? Yeah, a little bit from dinner parties okay. in Boston. All of our friends loved when we cooked for, he cooked for them. Yeah. He was very gifted. He just had a gift, but he didn't even know it. Yeah. yeah. This happened. By the way, some people just have that shit. They they yeah. 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 It was delicious. And then I realised that really you can influence people by flavour more than anything else. It's mm-hmm. like beautiful music, beautiful flavour. That's what I think. And it has all these layers to it. And it's like an orchestra, you know. So we work a lot on flavour in Cornucopia. And I love to talk to chefs about flavour. Yeah. So, so to, to come to today, then it has just been one day at a time after that, really. I mean, he, unfortunately, he died very suddenly at a very young age. And luckily after that, I had amazing chefs who kept going and they loved this idea of providing this amazing food or beautiful, flavourful on a good day now. You know how it goes? No, 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 we know. (laughs) We all have the best of intentions sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes behind that. There's a lot of support systems. And nowadays you have to have your HACCP and hygiene Mm. and health and safety and your financial things are organised. And and some of that can take away the spontaneity and magic. And your building works and your fire regulations and your, you know, so a lot of it. Sometimes ovens break and equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leaks and yeah. <laughs> all that goes in running mm. to old fashioned Georgian buildings. Absolutely. Connected yeah, together. Seventeen fifty yeah. so buildings. Yeah. But they are a bit wonky, you yeah. know, and they take a lot of money job to, of work. to strengthen to, the to floor keep them and going, yeah. electrify them and all mm. this stuff. So um yeah, so it's really nice to come here and talk about that what's behind it because yeah. that reminds you of why you're doing this. Yeah. I've never run out of inspiration because of, a, because of that original experience I had to try and give that to people through food and to improve their sense of well-being and because of that improve the world. Yeah. I suppose that's what it's about. And because it's vegetarian and vegan, no animals were hurt in the construction of this or in the yeah. filming of this or the <laughs> running of this restaurant. Yeah. Now, of course, we still have some dairy and we struggle with that and eggs. And what is the morality behind that? Mm-hmm. And should we be fully vegan? Should we not? So it's a constant debate. And yet when people come in, you know, they like our eggs in the morning and our yeah. dairy in the in the coffee but there's very little dairy left yeah okay. but we okay. haven't yet removed it, but it's in it the process completely. maybe of phasing it out yeah mm-hmm. i think we're waiting for the world to be ready for that for it yeah. not to be too extreme do you think mm-hmm. the world's almost ready for that compared to when you well opened? tony kyo who's our head chef was um he had, was in Berlin last week. I haven't talked to him since he came back. And he said, there's 60 vegan restaurants in mm. Berlin. And I said, that sounds like a song, Tony. He just sent me photographs of all these vegan yeah. dishes. And we haven't had a chance to chat about it yet. So I'm sure he's further inspired. When I was more <laughs> cynical about vegetarianism and veganism, I ate in a vegan restaurant in Berlin called Lucky Leek and was 
blown away by it. It was one of those things. And I think, like, I was, I, I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and I was talking about a dinner that I'm doing later on in the week. I'm doing agadashi tofu, and immediately he rolls his eyes and goes, "Oh, Jesus, tofu!" Do you know what I mean? And I was just like. <laughs> You don't Wrong. know. Stop. <laughs> like, stop. You know, because this is wait and see. Yeah, wait and see. This wait is a legitimate food stuff. This yeah. is not just some and a delicious food stuff and, and a, a great vehicle for stuff. flavors as well. Totally. And I think that there's still, still, there's that attitude. And I think we were talking about like the, the bubble earlier. Do you know where we, you know, we have a fumbly bubble that we live in, whereby like everybody yeah. eats fermented food. Of course they do. And then people eat it and they're like, God, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's vinegar cabbage. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's good for you. Down the hatch. Down the hatch. Yeah. And I think, I think, just in terms of getting people to that frame of mind so I have told this friend of mine to come to the dinner on Wednesday and hopefully we'll get this person to eat some agadashi tofu and stop moaning about the tofu <laughs> situation yeah <laughs> I think that vegetarianism maybe in the 70s maybe when it was very um, worthy um, might have nothing wrong might have put people off because for years and years and it only stopped about 10 years ago every time there was an article written about cornucopia maybe 15 years ago even if they there was nobody in the restaurant, which I'm sure there wasn't, wearing patchouli oil and yeah. beads mm. and sandals yeah. and dreadlocks, they were we were described as that just boxing you just off yeah. into a very so alternative yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. that was yeah. people's views of vegetarians yeah. and eating tofu and brown rice, both of which are great. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's a bit yeah. like feminism, I yeah. think, in the early days. All bra burners, you know, yeah. it's just painting tofu, with the same brush because it's tofu easy and bra to. Burners. E- yeah, <laughs> easy to compartmentalize these people and say and like, oh, that well, they're living an extreme lifestyle. Yeah. in fact, <laughs> an extreme challenging and, the status quo in a exactly, tiny way. In a tiny way. way. Yeah. yeah, and there have been funny films. Like I don't know if you saw about a boy where they had yeah, yeah, yeah. total funny. Tony um, Collette was the mother in it. Yeah, right? and yeah. she had the bread killed the duck because yes. it was so hard when yeah. it was thrown into the lake. And I suppose <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of you know there was a bad name, mm-hmm. but I think it's really now becoming trendy. And I have a wonderful friend. I mentioned her, Bernadette Bohan. She's helped a lot of people with cancer through vegan food, but she never t- she never labels herself. She mm. just says, "Eat more healthy food. Eat yeah. drink juices. Eat." You know, she never says about what you have to exclude. Now that we're all bored to talk about the recession and this thing that and that we're all loaded again, right? Loaded. Yeah. Everyone is so familiar. I certainly am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However many holidays have you been on this year? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I, on none. I, yeah. I've been on none. I got a weekend away in Lisbon. I've been to, I think, seven new countries this year. Wow, Harry. I know. That's I can't wild. believe I just said that. Yeah. Flash Harry has a ring to it. Flash Harry has a ring to it. The podcast pays amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so now that we're sick of talking about the recession and uh, people have got money again, blah, 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 blah. What's the future of casual dining? Do you see any way that it's going? Are you guys seeing trends? We're definitely seeing that it's changing. We've loads of competitors now. Mm. We're, before we had no mm. competitors yeah. now. So we've got now, we've got six restaurants and now we have hundreds of competitors. So where we were the only burger in town except for Eddie Rockets. Mm. Now there's a hundred different competitors. Um, and the same for all our, our brands. But I think it's really sad at the moment because a lot of the restaurants in Dublin are really led by food service. Yeah. Um, and providers for getting product to the market as fast as possible. There's not a huge amount of concern love. about love, where does it come from, who do they buy it from. You know, like I spent, we don't shout about it, but like we spend hours about where we, we pick out, hand pick out butchers, like I've visited all the farms. Yeah. We've got Dude. bakers that are literally, we've got one baker who's make all our bread rolls are hand yeah. rolled. You know, and that's the same throughout the, our business. Yeah. I think that's consumer driven and that's what's causing all the, yeah. um, to have so such an effective food service. You'd love if people were more cognizant of what they were buying. Yeah. I know we're, we're famous for chicken fillet rolls in Ireland. Yeah. But like, 
where did it come from? Where did everything <laughs> in that three euro salad yeah. and sandwich mm. come from? It's quite sad. Bad, bad places. It's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. It's, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where you think like, who has made money off of this? How is yeah. this going to be made? And money? how have they made a margin? Exactly. And, like, it's yeah. quite, and tax, there's tax on it and then a substantial margin. Mm. It's terrifying. And that's the bit that's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. So it's, but it's all consumer choice, you know, mm. that, 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 and that's what will drive it. On the flip side of that, I do see that there's going to be a growth in smaller, more local restaurants. And I mean that outside of Dublin as well as inside of Dublin because fast casual really is an inside of Dublin yeah, phenomenon. Absolutely. You know, mm. there's a branching little fingers in Cork and Galway, but I can see people are going to have to do things on a smaller scale, like shorter menus, like two or three things, yeah. possibly changing and just being more local and friendly. But again, it's all consumer driven. Yeah, so it's, it's like what the people want. So democratic. I know, it's just <laughs> what about the people want and how much they're willing to pay. Yeah. So what were the most difficult things in establishing your brand over the first few years? You've spoken a bit about the Twitter thing. Like, did it just kind of take off for you or were there lots the of challenges? The rest of just took off yeah. for us. But anything to do with money, spreadsheets, finance, anything like that to me is Dutch. Okay. Uh, so I have a business partner who looked after all that for me. Uh, and that is, you know, that's the hard part. And I still find that it's hard. You can't go into the kitchen and create menus and run that part of the business. And have to look after all the challenges that are coming with it. And like it's simple things like HACCP standards, chefing, rostering. That's basically. And then you have to look after the margins, how much money you're making off the food, how much money you're spending on staff. Then you have to go how the restaurant operates, how the drinks operate. And then if you go and look at the books, it's like it's such a breadth of stuff. And that is the biggest challenge. Is it, it's, it's so multifunctional. And did you think at the start that you could manage all that yourself and try to do it? Oh, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I mean, everyone does. But like, you know, I, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, everyone I, thinks you can do it. I'd opened another hit restaurant. We'd open, like, and I don't, don't want you to hit restaurant, but we'd open another restaurant that's doing really, really well. Yeah. I, geez, I thought it was invincible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, and you know, it, the part of like when you've got a restaurant that's boom and everyone's coming in the door, you're out partying every night of the yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're sort of like, you know, you're living on a high. Do you know, Monday morning. Can catch up. Monday morning, <laughs> the, and the accountants come knocking. Yeah. Thinking, that's the. Jesus. But, you know, it is a challenge, but it is actually nearly the most important of business, especially in the casual business. That is the key. Multifunctional restaurants, the reality is they're there to make money. And you yeah. can see that across the world. You know, if you've got more than six restaurants or seven restaurants, by the time you get to 13 restaurants, you're talking to equity firms yeah. that are talking to millions. You're not a yeah. restaurant anymore. You are producing cash. Okay. Okay. You know, and that's, that's just the reality of fast casual. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is a margin business. It's all about how much money you made in the food, how much money you spent on the staff. Same as selling points. Yeah, you know that's oh, the. You take all the railways out. But, <laughs> but, I know, but, but you know, no, no, no. Actually, but that's it's it's hard trying. How so? How do you marry that? You know, yeah. and that's yeah. that's what we try to do is is trying to marry those two things all the time because it's all about the love. For me, it's, this is like my life. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. This is not about making. Yeah. You know, obviously, I want to be comfortable, but yeah. it's actually about. But you're still ha- visiting the farms. You still have somebody. Yes, yeah, about actually breads. being happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. you can yeah. see that in the restaurants as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Like running throughout the, the theme of the places are fantastic. I love Crackbird. I yeah, love that place. Dark, and like an old Chinese restaurant, and the old Chinese decorations <laughs> still on the wall, and it's still kind of like half straddling this kind of like greasy Chinese place plus like beautiful fried chicken. I'm a big fan. I'm Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> I should have brought some with me. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> Joe, what's your background? How did all this start? What were you doing uh, before 2007? I grew up in a hotel in Slane and then I went to hotel management college I thought I was going to do hotel management not in Ireland like just I was sort of went, I went to Shannon and plans to go do international hotel management and all my classmates they're all doing that mm. then I worked in London and after a while I was like this is crap mm. like the idea of getting on a tube to go anywhere yeah, yeah. the idea of working in a hotel where there was you know 800 people working in a thousand bed hotels because that is no love business you mm. know? and I was oh, just yeah, wasn't great. into it so I came home and dosed around for a while did a lot what of what kind of a while 
like two years. <laughs> or two years is fine. That's a lot of jostling when you're over 18. Come uh, on, yeah, and you're yeah, not yeah. traveling. Okay. That's a big idea. <laughs> I've Back, period, back yeah. to Flash <laughs> Harry. <laughs> like, I worked for Master Chefs and all sorts of things, working at Crow Park. Okay. And, and then I opened a sandwich bar with my dad called Orange Square. And actually, we opened it up to make whole meal replacements, so like ready meals. Yeah. Okay. But we opened on Baggett Street straight away people wanted to, they wanted lunch so we said we did a salad bar mm-hmm. and we sold sandwiches and it did really really well and then that grew to a second one and then we grew it into Joe Burger and then I took my eye off the ball of running the other two things yeah. so they sort of didn't work out and we, mm-hmm. we ended up closing them and just kept Joe Burger and grew from there uh, On the morning that we we were, were, were racking um, I, I uh, sterilised um, the BBT the, the filter press and our, our Marivec here, which is our bottling machine, um, and then uh, filter the beer into the into the bright beer tank and then into the into the bottler or, or kegger. Now this is a, a Czechoslovakian uh, built unit, built by a guy called Marivec, and uh, it has a keg uh, a keg adapter there, so we can we can fill uh, beer into kegs. Um, we do uh, but maybe about 10 to 15 minutes to fill a, fill a 50 litre keg and then uh, once the kegging is done we switch it over and we, we bottle what's left. So we generally uh, rack about 650 litres of beer so I might do 12 or 13 kegs and, and 10 or 15 cases of beer. Okay. But the bottles are, are a bit of a pain because you can see there's only two bottles at a time. It looks to me I'm kind like of I'm surprised, sorry, maybe you're saying the same thing, that I'm very surprised to see how small the operation is. Absolutely. That if you're looking at the bottling machine, which does two, two at a time. Yeah. We're using small bottles, so... Like, I'm always buying bottles. Really, <laughs> yeah. Like, of, of, well, of five lamps, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, God, maybe I'll give guys a break and just get it on tap (laughs) (laughs) but also just the size of the operation here I mean it's um, do you know what the square meterage is here I can't Um, say off the top of my head about about 3,000 square feet no you could actually fit this operation into the corner yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen an operation like this with one fermenter in in a garage in the UK you know so we had the space and uh, it's just nice to lay it out linearly I guess I never I you know the word craft has almost become meaningless because it's so prevalent. But this yeah, really nice. is handcrafted yeah. stuff. Oh, oh, it really is. I mean, yeah, so it's it, really it's, nice to see that. It's, it's a very physical day. I mean, yeah. mashing in the is, yeah. is, is, is quite physical and th- there's nothing but a wooden paddle to do it with. Absolutely, you know? yeah. So there's that part. And then this is, th- like, in fairness, the yeast does 80% of the work. You yeah. know? But at this end, then, it's, very, it's fairly labor-intensive uh, in that... Um, w- w- when we're bottling, we could do maybe about 12, 12 or fifteen cases an hour, but you're you're smoking at that stage, you know. Yeah. But it's uh, <laughs> there's about there's about ten different movements to get beer into the bottle, and then it's got to be because the beer is cold, the bottle is warm, the um, the beer has to be left. Well, first of all, it's got to be crown corked one at a time. There's our little crown corker there, okay. right? The little red thing. Yeah. Right. So one bottle at a time gets like a juicer gets almost. sealed. Yeah. 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 And then the bottles a temperate overnight, and then they're labelled one at a time, and date stamped one at a time, and then the boxes are made one at a time, and you know. This so is amazing. It is very yeah. labour intensive. I'm really impressed. Yeah. It's yeah. very labour intensive at yeah. this stage of the at this stage of the process. Loads you know? of love goes into that, I reckon. Yeah. Or at least yeah. care yeah. and, yeah. 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 and yeah. frustration. Yeah. Love yeah. and yeah. frustration. Yeah. 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 Love and tears. I thought I was getting a glamorous job, but that didn't last long. So speaking of which, how does it? Your old employer was Guinness? Yeah. And how long were you there for? Oh, I was with Guinness for um, 27 years. Right. And uh, retired. 
retired and uh, just backed around for a couple of years. And, and then said, screw this. And then got, I want to yeah, work again. <laughs> got bored, actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was yeah. spending the whole day reading and I thought, Jesus, it's got to be this boring. It? And yeah. then suddenly the, the whole craft beer thing took off. And yeah. The, you know. And yeah, you were kind of reborn. Yeah. So how does this setup fare compared to uh, Guinness? I mean, in terms of the labour intensity, um, obviously oh. it's a vastly different operation, oh, yeah. but like physically, <laughs> how is it different? Uh, well, I, what I, were you doing? Uh, at Guinness. What was I doing at Guinness? Yeah, the, oh, you I know, did, the year yeah, before yeah, you retired. Yeah. What, oh, what was your I, day well, like I physically? Was, uh, I, I retired as the head of procurement for raw okay. materials. So yeah. I, I bought the, the raw materials for the, the group wherever. So we were, we'd be buying hops and malt uh, okay. all over the world for yeah. the various Guinness. Totally different, yeah, yeah, totally different operation. Yeah. The last time, I, I, I keep saying, the last time I did any small scale brewing was when I joined with Guinness in, in 1980 in the, the uh, research lab. We had a very small uh, uh, pilot plant there and okay. that was the last time I had done any small scale yeah. brewing so it was a bit was of a gamble coming story. back yeah. 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 and it was the right decision oh god yeah wonderful yeah, yeah. Yeah. you seem very happy yeah. in this yeah. environment don't absolutely yeah. do you have any I suppose I'm interested in Guinness as a uh, kind of a historical institution in mm. Dublin do mm. you have any kind of insights into what sort of an employer it was throughout the 20th century oh, from your time there uh, oh well just from my time there it was a, they were a fantastic yeah. employer uh, I it was, uh, it was a fun place to work. It, it was very Dublin-centric in, yeah. in that, like, there were some great nicknames. Everybody had a nickname in there, and it was just fantastic. What it was yours? I, I don't like it. Shush, Harry. I don't honestly know, you know, but uh, there were some fantastic nicknames in there. But also, it was, uh, it was a, a good company to work for in, in terms of they, they, they paid for a lot of uh, yeah. education and stuff like that. Yeah. So did they build housing at some point, oh, or did they oh provide back, housing? Yeah, they yeah, did, yeah it's the, amazing. The Ivy Trust. Uh, Dublin Eight. A lot of us, yeah. yeah, around the Liberties, yeah. Uh, around the Liberties, they were on Christchurch. Those yeah. uh, those big Ivy uh, buildings, they were built by Guinness funds, yeah. and then there were a bunch of houses up in Crumlin, uh, red brick houses built in okay. the again the 1800s. So so yeah, in Five Lambs, we were looking to do that as well. Absolutely, house, yeah. house employees. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting one seeing what, what like three of you or something yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah it's interesting to think of you know I think a lot of the big chocolate makers Cadbury's and Roundtree's were those sort of socially minded employers yeah. in the UK and, and Guinness seems to have been the yeah. one in Dublin you know well we're trying to do that here we have uh, we have my mother's standard lamp and we have a coach over there where oh I yeah. can have a nap if necessary it's very homely we have a hammock, up, we have yeah. a hammock upstairs and my <laughs> dining room table is up there as well I was thinking <laughs> of moving in I won't go Dominique, did you find that there was a tension between, uh, I suppose, did, did you have to think a lot about the fact that you were writing something about something that worked for you and also worked for Patricia um, and then kind of disseminating that as advice that you hope would work for a lot of people? Yeah. You know, what, what was the thought process there? Well, I think it was it was very much, you know, this worked for me, this mm. worked for her, mm. it may not work for, you know, yeah. there are lots of contraindications and also, you know, there is no one perfect diet yeah. and yeah. it was to yeah. keep emphasising that and, and there's a great lecture that I think we have it pinned on our, our, our Twitter account of, of an oncologist called Dr. Dawn Leman and she's very interested in carbohydrate okay. restriction, uh, you know, before, during and after chemo. Okay. There's a professor, Walter Longo, out in California, he does a lot of work around fasting and stuff and Fasting, if you think about it, has lots of, you know, observational uh, evidence behind it in terms of religion and mm -hmm. so on. They can see the benefits mm -hmm. of it and, and so on. But you're kind of looking at this and saying, well, a lot of this stuff just makes sense. There may not be the randomized, you know, clinical Control trials, yeah, but sure. a lot of it, the biochemistry makes sense. It kind of makes sense. You know, you're being bombarded with poison and stuff. 
why then bombard your system with a lot of kind of crappy foods yeah. on yeah. top of it, you know? So you're looking at, and, and she has a great sort of uh, lecture where she's looking at, and, and certain cancers and certain tumor types probably do do better on a low fat diet, you know, okay. some uh, fasting, some low carb, some ketogenic. And she's just making the point, you know, more personalized nutrition depending on what it is. And yeah. I guess that was the point. This isn't the gospel and this isn't right for everyone, but it can be an approach. And I think. Uh, certainly there should be more of an open-mindedness um, about it. I know a lot of people who, when they're diagnosed, they, they go vegan, they swear off dairy, they swear off mm. this and stuff. I read a lot of conflicting stuff that that may not be the best. You know, protein is really important yeah. and stuff uh, for immune function. But you're you're reading it and you kind of go, well, look, if you're thriving on it and you're doing really well on it and you feel good, yeah. that's terribly important. So learning to trust your own instinct. Exactly. Um, know go the with food your that you've gut. always done well on. And yeah. yeah. Okay. And I suppose when we were talking about the controversy that blew mm. up around it, people miss those nuances mm. very often when you're talking about something, you know, emotive, I suppose, yeah. like cancer, that people can kind of jump at and, and get excited yeah. about. You exactly. Know. And the Patricia and I both went through, you know, I had I went through chemo, mastectomy, radiotherapy. Yeah. Patricia had radiotherapy in her eyes. Like, both of us went through down yeah. the conventional route. You know, yeah. we weren't yeah. saying, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, smoke this and rub a bit of that on there, yeah. you know, yeah. and you should be careful. don't go near a hospital. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, this is adjunct, adjunct, adjunct. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I mean? We yeah. should be doing as much as we can with our food. But at the same time, you've got to go through treatment. You know yeah. what I mean? And there was never. And so I think that was frustrating because we were very responsible in the messaging. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and certainly with the press around it. But people take sound bites out yeah. of it and be like, yeah. oh, my God, they're saying ketogenic diet cures cancer. Yeah. No, we're yeah. not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> OK, so you just have to stand by it. So your mantra yeah. just has to be like, fuck the haters. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's the quote on the cover of the yeah. book. <laughs> you get that sort of pen or you yeah. scratch the thing, you'll see. Yeah. Hate is going hate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're on the front of a given the bird. Yeah. 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 Lovely positive message. The cover that didn't make it. <laughs> and is there any more books in the pipeline? Any things that we you <laughs> No, Patricia like, screams when I say, we have to have a <laughs> follow-up book. She's like, yeah. no! Yeah. <laughs> can't take it, can't yeah. take it. Um, but uh, well, the book actually, it's just, it was released in the States, did really well. It's about to be released in Germany next year mm-hmm. and an oncologist writing in, uh, okay. the forward of it. So That's it's really wonderful. nice. Okay. And you're kind yeah. of like, it, it's great. So they, you're sticking with this baby for a while. Yeah, because it's a slow slow burner. And, um, you know, I, I think it would be great. And I, we, were, we were laughing. We were saying, I was talking to the publishers. I was like, the next uh, title of the book should be Eat the Fuck What You Want. Yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. like really kind of yeah. slutty recipes for everything. I like that book more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So you had good feedback from readers. Yes, amazing. Okay. Yeah, and that's so it. That that's might a be thing. something that potentially, if you're working with people who are in a similar situation to you and you're able to provide some kind of an outlet um, yeah. and something where people might be able to kind of regain that control in a way yeah. that they didn't know that they had, and they were like, oh my God, here it is now. Yeah. Is that a possible oh, thing? It's amazing. But also the oncologists that send Patricia clients from the US and everything, okay. and yeah. they're like, oh my God, they're doing so well and different. Mm. Like, that's what matters. That's, that is what yeah. matters. Totally. So you have yeah. a very small section of noisy people who yeah. are never going to have their minds changed yeah. you know you know so there's no point even engaging yeah. to some extent and it's like okay that's grand there's room for everybody yeah. but mm. dial that down and exactly continue doing what you feel is right yeah yeah, mm. yeah. and i think you have to stick to it and as we say look it could all be you know total hooey in five years they'll find out something else is mm. better nutrition is always changing yeah. and you yeah. have to be open-minded about yeah. it you know it's like food's always changing cooking styles you know it's it's mm. it's constantly evolving and it's 
you know, it, it shouldn't be this kind of black and white thing. And, and again, it's just making sure the people that are speaking, that they're, those conflicts of interests, you know, aren't there. As I say all the time, you know, I bloody brought bagels to Ireland. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm for the, the, like, this is, you know, I'm going against yeah, everything, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. in the business. But I have to, I can separate myself out, you know what I mean? And be yeah. like, okay, this is what I eat for health and kind of optimum. You know, I'm a pig. I, you know, and I'd eat carbs more than you night if I could. And it suited I love me. You, <laughs> I'd be like, yes, slathered and fat and protein yeah. and yeah, just yeah, yeah, constant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I love it. But you know, this is this is what I need to kind of stick with now, mm. and that that works for me. But you know, as I said, fever, le, le, whatever. You yeah. know, and yeah. I, I will. I'm sure this week go and climb the sugar loaf, and I'll probably have a 99 afterwards, and it'll be great. Great, yeah, yeah. You know? tough living, it. isn't it? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Back in Italy, I participated in a cooking event uh, that was uh, taking um, Venetian traditional uh, recipes done with insects. Oh, wow. So oh. I had this uh, risotto with uh, locustos, oh. and I had a salad with silkworms. Instead, more recently, I went to Food Matters Live uh, food exhibition in London, mm. and there were a lot of companies who were giving tastes uh, about insects. Mm. The one that I really liked uh, in that occasion was uh, a fat-bottomed ant. Fat-bottomed <laughs> ant, yes. A big fat-bottomed ant. Exactly. I love that it. Yeah, uh, I want to eat some of that. Uh, it's roasted and yeah. it's very similar to bacon, actually. Wow, okay, yeah. cool. So you can't be... The fat-bottomed ant. You can't appreciate ant. ant. You heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> on the menu at the Fumbly Cafe next week. Yeah. So when you say it's like bacon, is it is it a similar flavour but with a crunchy texture or? Uh, well, the texture is, is different. Mm. Uh, well, no, they are all crunchy. Yeah. Okay. If you, if you eat them, uh, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> if you eat them all in a whole, but yeah. Yeah. they're all crunchy. You don't feel like weird, uh, soft, uh, liquid uh, yeah. Yeah. things. But um, actually, we are promoting uh, not the use of insects uh, as in the traditional uh, countries, uh, but a uh, modern use uh, of insects uh, in the form of flour yeah. or protein extracts. And okay. that m- changes completely the taste, the mm. texture, and something that we are more used to. It seems a lot more palatable, yeah. I think, as yes. well, to the Western I diet in particular. That's <laughs> like yeah. it's, from my experience of eating insects, it's been, um, you know, in Thailand and Southeast Asia, I you know, ate insects on a, in a street market, and it, was, it felt like it was kind of a place that was set up for tourists mm. and then later on in that trip then I got to kind of eat insects I think in a more real way in a one that wasn't just like you know highlighting the grossness for Westerners yeah. we're like look how disgusting this is it's an insect and it was like yeah. just a crispy crunchy deep fried thing yeah. but I wonder in terms of the West like the way that it's going uh, in terms of um, what's the word for insect eating again? Entomophagy. Entomophagy. So in terms of entomophagy when we're developing this uh, industry is it going to be a high-end thing is it going to be something that's made normal for everybody or is it going to be something that's highly processed foods like a chicken nugget like something that's like mm. you can distance yourself maybe from that thing making a high protein low fat highly processed thing that thing. you wouldn't even recognize mm. yeah what the original so i think that sometimes uh, um, some company pushes a bit on the weird factor mm-hmm. to try to to get some uh, consumer to to try it because of uh, because if it it is very particular, mm-hmm. but um, the most of the companies are trying to make it more uh, normal for us. This doesn't have to be a very processed food because to make a insect flour, you just have to oven dry the insect and grind them, and you can use them uh, to make bread to to bake no, normally. Wow. Protein extracts are a bit more um, elaborate. 
but yeah, we, we eat a lot of protein bars or protein shakes. Uh, and this is just a way to make the, the protein more soluble or um, easy to incorporate in the recipe. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it is <laughs> bad. So Hannah, I just spotted you earlier on there working your way through the garden and eating it raw as it comes. Will you tell us a little bit about what you're eating? Um, okay, well, this is Rocket. Um, it's one of my favourites. Let's have a taste of it now. Amazing. It's peppery. like much peppery than you get in a supermarket, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Delicious. Um, there's some little alpine strawberries about to explode here. So we've got alpine strawberries, and these are just teeny, tiny little buds at the moment. Not really seeing a huge amount on them. So the yeah. alpine strawberries are the tiny, very flavorful tiny ones, are they? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. We've got some lemon balm and some mint over here. Um, I saw sage. Rec- oh, there it is. There's some sage. So we've got lots of herbs here we can cook with. What's that one, Richard? Mi- brown's fen- fennel. Fennel. Mm. Even I knew that it was brown's fennel. <laughs> 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 this one's chives, isn't it? So we've got chives now at the moment. They've just got all their purple flowers right, and they're just looking absolutely fantastic. So another thing that, that Richard was talking about is the non-utilitarian vibes that we've got here. So we're looking at these things which are edible herbs, but they're just fantastic. So here I am just smelling some like really, really fresh thyme. <laughs> it is gorgeous. Richard, can you tell us a little bit about the Jerusalem artichokes that are going here? This is related to the sunflower, um, and there are two types of artichoke that in common language. This has the big knobbly roots that you make uh, stews and like a, a potato, really. And then at the far end, we've got the globe artichoke, which is the, the one with the big sort of flower bud that um, is a bit of a gourmet food in itself. That's doing very well here. And tell me, are these two kinds of artichokes at all related? They're not. No. 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 Different. So one is a sunflower and the other is a thistle or something similar? Basically, yes. Okay, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the one, the one good fact that I have about Jerusalem artichokes is that they're not at all from Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, and and the, the name is a bastardization of the word girasol, which is to turn with the sun. And so it's a sunflower. And so girasol is a sunflower. Yeah, girasole. And so we look at them now and they look... Not spectacular, but the good stuff is happening underneath the soil. That's the bit that we're really interested in. With a number of different locations around the seaside town, it was time to change scenery and head to another location nearby. To you and I, the site may not have drawn too much inspiration, but Annie, Richard and Hannah were all able to see potential in a rough plot. So what we're looking at now is just a run-down old wall covered in ivy and to most people would you know, be an unattractive site, but here we have got the guerrilla gardeners who um, are seeing this as potential. What was that you just touched, Annie? An egg. <laughs> it looks like a hen's egg. It's too big for it, isn't it? I don't, we don't have hens here. So I don't know whether people are dumping some stuff here, but I think it'd be easy enough to transform this. Well, not easy enough. It'd be a bit labour-intensive, but it's potentially possible to transform this. So that's what we would do. I'm, I'm not going to ask permission. I'm just going to do it. And if they have a problem, then we can connect with them and talk then. I like your attitude, It's really easy to yeah. say no initially, because people are nervous, mm-hmm. and they don't know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So... If they see you're only just planting, then they'll be grand. I suppose it's. It, I suppose. I mean, this is not county council space. This is no. Tesco. So the tough thing with this mm-hmm. is that, you know, when there's the invested interests of large corporations about you potentially taking away from their vegetables to be sold, then that's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. But then they do have a big sign in the front talking about connecting with community and charity. So we'll call them out on that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.
Yeah, Sean is the worst well, case. Well, I mean, Jane, you know, you know, you know, it's very different as well because in our situation, in a restaurant situation, you're dealing with alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So there's alcohol on board. That so it's a whole everything. different scenario than if you were complaining in a shop mm. at four o'clock on a Saturday sure. about service. When somebody's had three gin tonics and a gl- two glasses of wine, it becomes a little bit blurry. Yeah. And there has to be a time when, as a, as a member of staff in the restaurant industry that as Jane said the customer is not always right mm-hmm. nobody has the right yeah. to abuse sometimes the customer is just really drunk yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. I mean for me personally I've dealt with these situations where I would actually say to somebody okay let's let's just park this here yeah. can you ring me tomorrow and we will sort this out because yeah. it's not going to happen tonight yes. 99% of the time I do not get the phone call Absolutely. the next day because yeah. yeah. they, yeah. they yeah. woke up the next morning yeah. and went man there. I was a dick last yeah. night yeah. Yeah. And, sure. and they don't that's a very good diffuser it, it is, really yeah, is yeah, yeah, actually, it yeah. Actually, yeah. To say Look, in the cold I, light of day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I recognise <laughs> you're upset. It feels like we're not going to come to a conclusion tonight. Yeah. Call me tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then they're we'll gone. That's yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm and they'll be back in three months later. With a fake moustache. That wasn't me. That was my evil. So is that the most difficult thing? I mean, I mean, in terms of dealing with customers, is alcohol the thing that can throw the spanner in the works? I mean, there's there's different things. Obviously, we all went through a time in in Ireland of the Celtic Tiger. Mm. That that brought out the worst in people. It okay. really yeah. did yeah. because we weren't used to money, yeah. and suddenly we had money. And in in our industry, I'm only talking about in our industry, yeah. it was really the hardest time. Yeah. I thought you were at chapter one at the stage. Yeah, yeah, but it was the time that people thought, well, I'm spending two hundred quid ahead, mm. so I own you. Ugh. That is Ugh. that yeah. we I had all together now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they yeah. did. Yeah. They yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, they really did. I'm not saying everybody. Don't sure, co- yeah. don't no, get me wrong. No, no. But it's an attitude. Yeah, there was like yeah. that, and our industry has always been known as an industry that's not professional per se. Yeah. I mean, personally, I went to college. I, yeah. I studied to in this industry. Yeah. But they think it's like what you maybe said earlier, Harry. You know, it's a stepping stone to go on. So, so they go, well, sure, he's training so to be. Yeah, what do you really do? Yeah, yeah. what do you really, really? do? Because What's they don't see job, this really? as a real job. <laughs> No, nice. yeah. I know, yeah. Oh so what you really do? Yeah. Well, this. I'm really doing this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not taking the piss. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> tangible. I'm tangible. I'm tangible. Please don't touch me. I'm tangible. Right I'm right tangible right. But yes. So I, I think then we went through a lot uh, in our industry of that of people's attitude yeah. was, was was now I it again we we've come back on board with having, but I think people are better. Yeah. And I think we're more educated yeah. in in dining out and and stuff like with that. A few as more well. manners now. Yeah, I, yeah. I really do. Where are all do. those assholes now? What are they doing? Just like Chaos. with their tails between their legs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're all broke. They're all broke. Yeah. 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 But then there's also yeah. the millennials. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. yeah, that's 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 a whole <laughs> other radio show. That's kind of the, the younger, <laughs> <laughs> younger. <laughs> See, it, it is. Yeah. I talked about that before mm. with a friend of mine who works in bars and pubs and talking about the difference between how kind of alcohol can affect people, customers, and yeah. how they interact with people. And I think that in a bar and a pub, you have the power in a way that you don't necessarily have in the restaurant. Because the restaurant, you're like... A staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that you are the server and yeah. there's c- this strange relationship which might be there. Yeah. Yeah. But in the pub, it's yeah. like... Pfft, Get out! Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it can be really rough. Yeah, but yeah. I want that yeah. pint. You're not getting it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, and that's all yeah. you want. But even yeah. like that in a restaurant scenario, like we call last orders in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. which people go, sorry, 
Just yeah. flash the lights. But I no, no, we, you, know, you go <laughs> to a table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you go to a table and you say, guys, Jane just let, let, let you know. No, Jane turns on the music and like storms out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you go to the table and you say, listen, we're calling last order's bar, do you require something? And then you will get somebody come up invariably three quarters of an hour later and sits and just drop us down another bottle of wine to the table mm. and you go, but no, we closed the bar. Mm. And they're going, but we've spent X amount of money yeah. and we yeah. and you go, yeah, but we have to close. Yeah. And that's another we've aspect of it. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Want it. Yeah. And and, and yeah. they just and then, then people who also sit in a restaurant an hour after the last customer has left and you go down and you will say, Listen, we sorry, we're locking up, we've finished yeah. and they look at their watch. And then you kind of go, but why are you looking at your watch? <laughs> like, yeah. we are closing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's half past two on a yeah. Thursday. <laughs> I'd like to go home. I want to get into bed now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, so it's, I think it's a whole different thing than a pub scenario because yeah. they think they've spent X amount of money. Mm. Possession is nine tenths of the law. They own that table. They own that chair. It's hilarious. And, and, and we're really not going is. to leave. It's so yeah. funny. It is. Guys, um, off topic, but I think to wrap it up mm. uh, I'd like to know what ye personally think uh, where is doing really good food and service in Dublin oh that's really putting on the spot Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you could say one you could say many it kind of yeah. depends what you're after and we can edit it after. so it's smooth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for listening into this episode of With Relish we would like to thank all our guests for taking time out to come on with us as mentioned at the beginning of the show we are a fortnightly podcast so make sure to check out headstuff.org for our next show you can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn and all the usuals. If you like what you've heard, please let us know by writing us a review or following our Twitter page at WithRelishPod. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.